Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder is streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. What are we doing today, Alex? Um, first of all, hi. How are you? Oh, okay. Hi. Yeah, yeah. We, we've already talked to, to each other about. for like half an hour. Right oh, now. sorry about that. Um, yeah, we have Michael Pena of The Ringer joining us. In the first again? segment, uh, uh, that's Mike. Um, he's he's on the line with us, and we're gonna go around the NBA, talk about some some NBA topics uh, before talking about the Raptors game tonight in the in the second segment. Uh, Michael Pina, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Did I pronounce your name right? No, he he. Re- you said Michael Pina. Oh, did I say like that? a Pina Colada? Oh, okay. I think that's an actor in the Marvel universe as well. I want to say, Alex. I've only known you for like fifteen years. So <laughs> I was deal. gonna say, Michael, Mike. Can I call you Mike? I feel like I want to be you can, casual. You can call me whatever you want, man. What does Bill Simmons call you? <laughs> wow. Because today I'm. He I'm pronounces my name. He pronounces my name correctly. I'll oh, just leave it there. Okay, okay. Did I pronounce his name right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Today I'm. Today I'm. Today I'm. I'm Simmons. You know, you're you're still Mike, and uh, Will is Joe House, and and Beautiful. we're gonna hey. we're gonna have. Bradley Beal's contract is so big. <laughs> Let's get rid of him. You also have Why to talk not? about having six plates of ribs last night oh, at, at it was a great. restaurant in right Memphis. Before I went to play golf, <laughs> love these things that I'm passionately a fan of, of as Mr. House. What's going on, guys? Uh, Can we just impersonate the pod the whole time? It's got to be kind of be funny. These are things that we have already done before. Uh, but if you don't know, uh, Mike Pina. Yeah. Was uh you know one of the original guests on the original uh, Stephen LeBron radio man. man? Yeah, that's how far we go back. Uh, anyways, and yet you called him Pina. Yeah, listen, man. I, we have established that this is one of the many problems that I have as as an on air host, which is why I try to you know produce on most days. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you know we enjoy all your work at the Ringer. We were trying to get you on before the trade deadline. You know, thinking the Raptors were going to do a bunch of things and they didn't. Um, I guess I'll start asking you, Mike, like, are, do you enjoy the, the play-in format? We've had this for several years now. Like, are, are you yes or no to, to the whole play-in format of things? I think I'm yes. I think it adds some spice to the regular season. And particularly this year where the standings are so bunched up, it adds a little bit of weight to these games as we're coming down the stretch run it gives hope to some teams like the wizards and the raptors playing tonight um to make the play in and to you know see if you can bust into the playoffs and then maybe make some noise probably not but <laughs> you're, I not, generally... you're not really selling the play-in format right <laughs> now ge- to be honest yeah. <laughs> well the opposite is just the t- everyone loses on purpose mm. so that's no fun like, I, I don't want to see that. So I like competitive basketball. I do like the actual play-in games. Those have been really entertaining for the most part in the small sample size that we've had them. So I'm I'm pro playing. What about you guys? I mean, I'm not pro playing this year when the Raptors are struggling. Uh, I feel like if we can get to eight <laughs> and just, like, be in the playoffs, that'd be nice. But, no, I mean, I, I think in general, yeah, I, I do like it as well. Um, at, at same points, really. It just increases competitiveness. Um, I also feel like, you know, it, it just – it does give more teams hope, you know, like, you know, like the Lakers, like the Blazers, like, you know, like every game matters for them. 
I, I mean, the Raptors are pretty much in that same boat, so I'm not trying to, like, even talk down on these guys anymore. Um, but, no, it should be fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, a really anxiety-inducing two games um, for the Raptors uh, come time for, you know, mid-April. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing, though? Like, versus if you think about just the old format where just the top eight teams make it, right? Like, right now, you'd be looking at yeah. the Raptors really just having an outside shot, maybe, of getting into an eighth spot versus, like, there's the comfort of, of being in that 7, 8, 9, 10. Like, I guess my, my, my pushback would be, like, how much do these games actually matter? Because I feel like a team like Toronto or Washington, they could struggle for a week. They could go on a three- or four-game win streak and still be right there, right? Yeah, I mean... This is a struggle talking about the playing tournament, man. I, I thought you had, I thought you had the Phoenix Suns at the top of the oh, top. Oh, you wanted to get to Kevin Durant right away. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Play and talk is is, uh, pl- is dead. I'm sorry. Play and talk is over. Uh, <laughs> on to teams with uh, actual aspirations. Yeah. Like the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Kevin Durant made his debut last night against the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Had a chance to watch a little bit of that game. Uh, he had 23 points in 27 minutes. 10 of 15 from the field. Uh, Michael Pena, what would you make of, of Kevin Durant's debut? And what do you think about just the construction of this team moving forward in Phoenix? I mean, KD looked like KD in the minutes when he was on the floor. Uh, just unstoppable mid-range pull-ups. Uh, I thought he played pretty seamlessly with Devin Booker, with Chris Paul in the starting lineup. And then because he's on a minutes restriction, you know, they staggered him and played him with all bench units. And he just, that that's kind of when he took over and just looked like prime KD, the best scorer, maybe the best player on the planet. So he looked great coming off the, I don't even know how long he, he was out for over a month. I want to say, I'm pretty sure. So there was a little bit of rust, um, had a couple of weird turnovers, but like was blocking shots, was flying around, was he just looked like KD, really scary sight to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I watched a lot of this game, and um, I mean, it just it, it's the, the contrast because, like, obviously, I watch the Raptors every single game, and then I rewatch the games like that. Like, so much of my basketball consumption is the Raptors, and like offense is so hard to come by. And then, like, you watch, like, a team like this. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's just like, oh, KD has the ball, and he gets a screen, and, okay, they're playing him to, you know, get downhill a little bit. And then he just pulls up from 20 feet, and it's cash, and then he does that again. And then it's like a Devin Booker post-up turnaround jumper, and it's in. And DeAndre Aiden is dunking everything around the basket. And I'm just like, man. I, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's the Charlotte Hornets. Like, the Raptors also dominated the Hornets, and everything looked fluid as well. Mm. But you just know that the level of, of, of shot making on this squad is just kind of absurd. It's to the point where it's just like, I feel like the big winner here is I think Chris Paul, man. Like I think mm. Chris can finally get to play in that like 2019 Kyle Lowry role where I was like, Kyle was never going to be the first option on a championship was never going to be the second option on a championship. But if he can be on a team where he can use his smarts, bring the ball up, not turn the ball over, keep things running, play good defense and then get the ball to your primary scorers. And KD and Devin Booker are better primary scorers than Kawhi and, and, and Pascal, who are the top two options for us in the 2019 year. You know, Chris can actually have that chance now. Um, I mean, I, I get it. He was in the finals, and he was a really big part of that. But I, I really do feel like he can now just be the playmaker. And just watching him, just like, I don't know. He wasn't even like he had that big of an impact in the game last night. It just felt like he was very comfortable. But the job is so much more easy for him because he has just like two of the best scorers in the league to just feed the ball to. Yeah, Chris was one of eight from the field yesterday, you know, two points, 11 assists. And I think 
over the course of the season, we've seen a bit of slippage from him in his play uh, on the offensive end. Like moving forward, Mike, do you, do you see like if you're kind of diving in, looking at this Phoenix team, obviously now with championship aspirations, like are there concerns heading into the playoffs about CP, about their depth? Like what what stands out to you in terms of maybe questions that they still have to answer even after adding KD? Well, first of all, I, I love the Kyle Lowry comparison and i actually had in my notes here that the suns team i mean they're trying to sort of replicate what the 2019 toronto raptors did where you make this trade Mm. you plop a superstar onto a very good playoff team those raptors were a little different in that they were improving upon like the 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 prime a scorer role with Mm -hmm. going from damar to Kawhi, but then they also added a three and D player, they add Danny Green in that transaction. So, like, when I look at Phoenix, you're adding KD to a nucleus that has been to the finals and has tried to knock on the door and couldn't knock it down. Um, KD is amazing, but like the gap between Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Josh Akogi, Tori Craig, TJ Warren, I think will be significant in the playoffs. And it's just, it's hard generally to find chemistry in the middle of a season particularly on the defensive end and for them to win three playoff rounds against teams that have been together all this year and then through battles in the past few seasons together I just think it's going to be very difficult I was a little uh, I disagree with people who just kind of penciling them in as the favorite or the team that's going to go to the finals from the Western Conference I think the Western Conference is some really good competitive teams they're going to be chomping at the bit to go up against them. And I, I really look forward to watching those playoff battles. But I, I would not say that Phoenix is just like the overwhelming favorite because they have Kevin Durant now. Yeah, I think losing those wing wing defenders, like you said, with, with Cam and, and Mikhail Bridges, like I think about playoff matchups that they might run into, like having to guard, you know, a Kawhi and PG you know, with the Clippers or even think about like Luka Kyrie with the Mavs mm-hmm. or even the Kings. Nuggets, all these teams, like, I, I do wonder if that's going to be the thing that kind of gets them in the playoffs, like, if they have enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're probably just hoping that, like, if they get into a close game, mm. they can just be clutch merchants. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, like, it's just, I, I also think that on the flip side, there's no team in the Western Conference that really has the, the defensive versatility to line up across the board with them, mm. you know, and I think that's where it's really dangerous. And, you know, I, one of my favorite players of the year this year, Josh Okogi. I feel like every oh, game okay. I watch Josh Okogi, he's wearing that mask. He's knocking down a whole bunch of jumpers. He's giving a huge effort on defense, which he always did, you know, even when he was in Minnesota and stuff. And it's just like, no, he, he's kind of popping a little bit. Like, there's obviously a big chance here for someone to sort of break through, and he's kind of doing that for them. I do agree, though. Like, they do feel kind of small across the board. That's where I think the comparison with the 2019 Raptors, like, that team had legitimate size with Marcus Saul at center and then, mm. you know, Serge Ibaka coming off the bench. And of course those guys can play together at times that they did against Philly, which was another gigantic team. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you had that kind of, um, you know, versatility and, and depth on the roster. But I think the big difference between this and 2019 is Phoenix is going to be this team next year as well. And the year after that as well. Um, obviously they can probably move Chris Paul and they have things, they have a lot more options to do around that. But the fact that you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant together in a, like a, marquee market is man jealous man if only teams could you know go out and get kevin durant um (laughs) we could have different conversations on the raptors yeah if only things happen differently Mm. 
all good, last, man. Yaka Pertle, summer. baby. Yeah, no, I think elite. I think you make a good point too. The fact that the they have these players under contract, and we've seen in these past situations, like when LeBron was in Miami, like as the years go by, and you know they have that nucleus there, you're able to just add guys, right? Whether it's like on minimum deals or just yeah. bring in and just fill in roles. Yeah, no, like like Terrence Ross. Like Terrence Ross would have been a really good bio candidate for a lot of teams, mm. but he chooses to sign with Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like, they gave up a lot in that trade, but, you know, having even guys like a campaign or Bismack Biombo, like, guys that you can play in, like, specific roles, like, you're not asking that much of them, but it's not like it's yeah. left their roster, like, completely thin, in yeah. my opinion. So it, it sounds to me like you guys, you're sipping the Kool-Aid. Phoenix is the best team in the Western Conference? Yeah, I mean, that's the next question I had for you. You know, I feel like because of all these moves that have been happening in the West and, and KD to Phoenix being the main one, like, are we, are we just sleeping on the team that's been the best in the West for, for pretty much the entire season, the, the Denver Nuggets? Like, do you still feel like when the playoffs get going, everybody is healthy that, you know, Denver is still the team to beat here? I love Denver, love Jokic. Yeah, I think that people are for sure sleeping on them. I understand the questions about their defense. Um, it's not that great of a concern to me because I just love all of the, I love the personnel that they have on this roster as opposed to what they had the past few playoff runs, particularly last season, which is just like a complete wash with, you know, Will Barton playing like 45 minutes a game. And hey, no, that's, that's new Raptor Will Barton. <laughs> yeah, right? Sorry. Come on, man. Watch I yourself, Pina. Yeah. I apologize. Um, but Denver's really good. I mean, they yeah. have the historic offense. Jokic is, I think, the best player on the planet, um, completely unstoppable on offense when he has the ball. You can't really guard that team. So I, I, I love Denver. I mean, I like a lot of teams in the Western Conference, to be honest with you. I'm the only person alive who still believes in the Los Angeles Clippers, although the last game against the Timberwolves was extremely concerning to mm -hmm. me. And this whole Russell Westbrook experiment, I, I, I would like it for it to end. I think I'm done with it. Um, Already? It's been, like, it's been like three so, games, though. No? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was looking at some, I mean, look, the first two games, he looked pretty good. Yeah. He, he seemed to be disciplined in what type of role would be ideal. But like at the end of the day, he shouldn't be starting. He shouldn't be closing. And their offense in 78 minutes, which is not the greatest sample size, is the worst offense in the NBA when he's on the floor with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which is just like kind mm. of concerning to me. So right. I, I I think that that is uh, something that needs to change. But I still like the Clippers a lot. I like Memphis. I like who else is in the Western Conference. Um, the Kings are the Kings. I mean, the Warriors, if they get healthier, the Warriors. Like, I, I did not mean to say that the Kings are the Kings and the Warriors are the Warriors. Like, those are the two equal things. But... Mm. Um, these are good teams, and uh, they've kind of been able to gel throughout an entire regular season or past seasons, and I just think that, like, I want to see Phoenix. I just want to see Phoenix a little bit more before I, I pass no, judgment on them. That's totally fair. Even, like, yesterday, for example, like, I had to just keep in mind, like, yo, it's the Hornets, man. Of course. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, oh, KD's going to hit, <laughs> yes. like, three mid-range jumpers in a row, mm -hmm. and then it's Terry Rozier ISO time. Like, you know, like, obviously they're going to win that game. Um no, I mean, I think that, no, they're not the clear-cut favorites for me. I think I still like the Warriors, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, I like the way Clay's looking of late. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. It feels like he's really come back from injury. That's a great story there. And obviously everyone, it's very easy to root for Clay. Steph, obviously, has been in and out. Um, you know, he's going to settle in. I mean, Poole hasn't really been uh, living up to expectations for them. But, you know, I mean, we've seen he's a bad. lot of... 
yeah, what well, we've seen a lot of young players like not necessarily live up to expectations when they get anointed. I mean, it happens. Like you, you look across the league, it's like guys we were really excited for last year: Scotty Barnes, mm-hmm. uh, Tyrese Maxey, um, you know, Jordan Poole, right? And there's just three random guys who were very young last year that we all got really excited for, who played winning parts and winning teams. All three of them are underperforming, and then sort of like it kind of changes expectations. By the way, I think Scotty has really like flipped that for himself pretty much since like December. But still, I think the overall picture was like we expect these young guys because we're so excited that they're, what they're going to do next. And then when they do the same thing or they take a small step back, we really, really get down on them because of the, the, the you know, the difference between our expectations and what the reality is. But um, I still like the Warriors, though, man. Still really like the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I know the standings are really bunched in the West, and that's going to be the case coming down the stretch here. But, you know, the Warriors have moved into the top six for now, um, even though they're only, like, a couple of games of, like, falling out of the play. And I think out of all these teams that are fighting for the for the playoff seeding, you know, I would argue it's most important for them to to avoid the play-in and, and avoid having to go through that extra stretch. Like if they can even get up, I don't know if they can get to a four seed. I mean, they're only one back in the loss column of Phoenix right now. But yeah, you know, the Warriors, Warriors have that pedigree, right? We've seen all the stats when they're fully healthy. You know, they still have, I think, the best um, like five-man lineup mm-hmm. um, in the league when they're able to run out there. And, you know, you know, we don't need to run through, you know, their playoff resume that's going to be a scary team. Like, you know, if, if Denver has to play like a Golden State in, in like a first that's a, round. That's a horrible matchup, though. That's a right. horrible matchup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I, I'm I'm with you, Pina, too. Like, with the Clippers, like, I'm actually pretty high on the Clippers because I just think, like, the Westbrook thing, if it doesn't work, like, they have other guys that they, you know, they've added. Um, you know, they've added, you know, guys like Eric Gordon, uh, Mason Plumlee. They still have Terrence Mann. And, like, Paul George and Kawhi can take on more of the ball handling duties if they want. I feel like it's one of those things where they're going to look and see if this Westbrook thing is going to work for these last, like, 15, 20 games. And they're under no pressure to to really, you know, have him as part of their playoff rotation or have him in the starting lineup when the playoff starts if, if they feel like he's not contributing to the team, right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I think one of the biggest differences between his, his situation with the Clippers and with the Lakers was the Lakers were paying him a max contract and they traded away their entire team to get him. So there was no depth, there was no shooting, and the fit was atrocious. Whereas with the Clippers, you know, they have a ton of shooting, they have a ton of depth, they have plenty of ball handlers, they have rim protection, they have just a lot of complementary pieces where you could find a nice role for him in a winning situation. I just think that, you know, playing him 30 minutes a night is just not that role. And, like, the fact that Eric Gordon played seven minutes in that Timberwolves loss is just, like, what is even going on? I I just wonder if, like, Ty Lue is just kind of sending a message to Paul George, who was very public about bringing in Russell Westbrook. Like, okay, this is Russell Westbrook. You want to play with him? This is what's going to happen. So I hope that they kind of get past this as quickly as possible because this is a team that at the end of the day still has to gel because oh man uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. how long they've been trying to gel for man it's Yo, been four years they've been gelling longer than the pandemic man. Yo, they, legit. They... <laughs> all fair fair points yeah. um but they did bring in new pieces at the trade deadline and uh ty Lue has kind of struggled a little bit finding a consistent rotation they have a lot of really talented players um, so I would like for them to settle that before the playoffs begin. Uh, I think they should aim to do that. Uh, so yeah, I just, I think that the, the rest, the Westbrook situation is just kind of like a wrench in their, in their, in their scheme, which isn't ideal at this point in the season. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, honestly, it's just, you know, Kawhi's been playing at a higher level. And if you go into the playoffs and you have him at this level in a seven-game series, like even two years yeah. ago, I felt like they were on their way to the finals until he got hurt Yeah, in that yes. series, right? My, my word with Kawhi in, the, in that kind of playoff setting, because obviously we in Toronto have the utmost confidence in Kawhi. Sure. My thing is, like, you can't just be Kawhi, though. Like, you sure. know what I mean? Like, the team has to function well as, as a unit around him, right? He can carry you through one, maybe two series, but just where, he at, where he's at physically and the demands on his body and stuff like that, like, I don't know. That's that's dangerous to me. Like, you need a functioning ecosystem around Kawhi. You know, Kawhi isn't like the LeBron type where mm. it's just like, okay, we're going to carry Jordan Clarkson and, and George Hill to the finals. Mm. And I'm going to score 50 points on the Warriors then. Like, yeah, no, that's you know, He's not that, that, that guy, so. Anyway, yeah. no, what, what about fair. the East, though? What about the East? Yeah. Um, the New York Knicks? Oh, man. So, Pina, <laughs> you know, you're based in New York. Uh, you know, you... I am. Not to dox you, you know, you live right next to the front of the program, James Herbert, I believe. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's adorable, man. Walking distance, I believe, I've been told. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, somewhere in Brooklyn. Uh, no, the Knicks, the Knicks, you know, I think under the Tom Thibodeau era, you know, they had the really fun run two years ago. Get Get into the first round of the playoffs and then took a step back last year. Obviously, huge... The Jalen Brunson signing has just, you know, paid off huge for them. Yeah. And to the point where, you know, people aren't really talking as much about them missing out on Donovan Mitchell as they probably would have. Um, and Josh Hart's been a nice addition to them. They've now won seven in a row. And you look at the standings now, they're just one back in the loss column for, for fourth um, uh, to, to catch Cleveland there. Like, what do you make of this uh, Knicks team? Like, is it time to, you know, like, obviously I don't put them in the, the championship contender category, but, you know, is that a dangerous team come playoff time? They're good. I think this is the best Knicks team since at least 2013. Mm. That 54 win team with Carmelo that um, I guess had their lights turned off by Roy Hibbert. Mm. But like this team, top five offense, which is startling given who their head coach is and how their season began. Jalen Brunson might make an all NBA team. I mean, he like banged his knee in the first quarter last night and finished 15 for 18 with 39 what? points. Like I, he's Man. absolutely incredible. Um, his mid range game, the floaters, the in-between stuff, it's kind of a big difference between their offense this year and their offense last year. He's just been, I mean, it's kind of not criminal that he wasn't an all-star, but definitely was playing at an all-star level um, before the selection. Julius Randall has been really, really good a huge bounce back season for him. Um, they low key have one of the best starting fives in the NBA with Quentin Grimes, Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, who's kind of struggling in his first or after signing that big contract. I don't know what his future holds, um, but he's productive, if not inefficient. Um, and then, yeah, they bring in Hart. Emmanuel quickly is having a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like this team a lot. I don't know how much will translate, uh, particularly on the offensive end um, in the playoffs, but uh, like we'll see. Like I, I, they're very feisty. They beat the Celtics the other night. No Jalen Brown in that game, but um, that was an impressive win. And you know, in a seven-game series, I I just think they're like miles ahead of that team that made the playoffs two years ago, I had like very little respect for that group. I think Mm. this one is way more dangerous in a lot of different ways. They can play a lot of different styles. Um, They're grimy on the defensive end and they have three point shooting. So it's a very good team. It's a very good team. Yeah. And I think too, they're an interesting team, you know, beyond this season too, 
in that, you know, they, they, they have the assets that they didn't move, you know, in the Donovan Mitchell discussions. And we heard them earlier this year offering all those first round picks for, for OG. Mm-hmm. And like, if the next, you know, disgruntled superstar becomes available and we know New York, um, you know, at least on the surface, you know, is, is an attractive destination. Um, even though they use facial recognition in the arena to, you know, track everywhere that you're going. But like, you know, that could be a destination. Yeah. It's fine, man. Maybe where, are you, a, where are you even going, man? It's maybe, fine. Maybe Let's a Joel, <laughs> Maybe a Joel Embiid or something. I don't know. That would be that'd if, be if sick. If the Sixers, you know, playoff run comes uh crashing down. That'd be sick. But I, I it's probably I mean, if I had to guess it'd probably be Towns. Oh yes. yeah, that, yeah. that that's a Towns. more of a Knicks uh I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Or or is uh is have we done a check on Damian Lillard's loyalty uh, recently? No, he's tripled down on loyalty, man. <laughs> he's like he's like he's not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Leave Dame alone, please, bro. This, all he wants to do is is score sixty for in the Moda Center and, and play with Trent, <laughs> the Trenton Watford. Crazy, man. Man. All that's all he wants to do is play with Watford. Wants yeah. to play with Sharp. Play with Anthony Simons. <laughs> like that's what he wants to do, man. Just let him let him do it. Pina Dame said recently that um we better all pray that he doesn't win a championship. In Portland, has anyone prayed? Have, have you been? Have you been praying? Yeah. We just want to know. Have you been I, praying? Yeah. I haven't said any prayers. Yeah. Okay, okay. I can't yeah. say that I have. Okay. Got just, you. just Got double you. checking. <laughs> um, no, but you know, I'm not leaving. Speaking with, speaking with the uh, about the Sixers too. You know, you wrote an article this week, um, just taking a look uh, at James Harden's season, um, and just you know how he's been doing and how there's been obviously stylistic changes to the way that he's been playing you know less shots are coming at the baskets become more of a playmaker the free throw numbers are going down um you know is he for you um kind of like the most interesting player going into the playoffs for you like in the eastern conference because it does seem like based on his resume and based on where the sixers are at now having to make this push and trying to get past boston and milwaukee like there's there's a lot on james to to finally deliver something in the playoffs this year he is interesting um, to me, just as this, I mean, this feels like the last chance for him to actually go on a lengthy playoff run. If it doesn't happen this year, I don't, I don't know what the Sixers can do with their roster to upgrade around him and Joel that would be meaningful and that would make them scarier than the Bucks or the Cavs, the Cavs will be better, the Celtics, just like a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that should be better. I don't know how the Sixers improve. Um, and, yeah, like, playing with Embiid, this is – well, he was KD's teammate, so this isn't the first time he was not the best player in his own team. But playing with a guy whose usage is so high, who's basically the scoring leader, who dominates the ball offensively, it's just been really interesting to see him – like just double down on being one of the better playmakers in basketball, um, averaging, I think, only 14 shots a game, which is as low as since Oklahoma City by a decent margin, not driving the ball as often as he did. But somehow being just hyper-efficient in all the ways that we're kind of familiar with James Harden being hyper-efficient, the step back is still there. When he gets the line, he obviously makes his free throws. Um, So... He's just, it's just a fascinating kind of situation where are we going to see just this one last gasp of brilliance through a several week run in the postseason? And um, he looks like the guy from Houston for just, just a stretch, like a critical stretch, or 
is kind of the more worrisome data that we've seen this year. Is that more indicative of who he is and will strike in negative ways in the playoffs? And, you know, the Sixers either don't get out of the first round or don't get out of the second round again. Um, I think that that's just a really interesting question because he's the guy who can push them over the top, I think, still. He's by far their second best player. And there's a lot to like about what he's done this year in a way that has been certainly overlooked because the fact that he didn't make the all-star team was just really surprising to yeah. me. Um, he's just a, still a really, really good player. So what he does in the postseason is just this big question mark for me. And I, I the, like the repercussions of, you know, if he flames out again, just what they would be are just, with his player option on the horizon are just humongous because you mentioned Embiid going to New York. If the, if this thing implodes, like, yeah, I think that Embiid's future in Philadelphia is certainly on the table and a lot of teams with a lot of draft equity and trade assets will be chomping at the bit to get that guy in their organization. And James just seems happy to just like go back to Houston and get a max contract, which is a whole different conversation (laughs) and absolutely ridiculous to me. But yeah, it's just, it's a fascinating situation in a lot of different ways. They're offering him like 200 million in ones. So um, I'd take that. I'd take that too, actually. (laughs) And they're going to bring Eric Gordon to the meeting because apparently they're really close. Oh, yeah. All I want is Eric Gordon to go back to Houston. Now, this reminds me of one. I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah. Well, he's definitely doing that. Um, Actually, maybe the inflation has gone up these days, but. Um, it, it reminds me of like when KD was a free agent and he was, mm. was he had a list of like six teams that he would go visit. Oh, this is the Hamptons. The meet is yeah, this the yeah, meetings yeah. in the Hamptons. And then yeah. he, like the Celtics were brought in to meet with with King Durant. Yeah, and like the group was like, um, wasn't it Marcus Smart like Kelly Olynyk and then like Tom Brady made some sort of appearance, right, maybe right, virtual right. or in person. I forget. Right, right, right. And I was well, like, Kelly Olynyk was wearing a tie dye shirt, which is just one of the great yeah. moments in the history of Boston sports, and it obviously worked out well for everybody in that traveling party. I, I don't know why he was invited <laughs> to this day, but it's got to be the first on. time someone's wore a tie dye shirt in the Hamptons. <laughs> um, no, I mean the Sixers are interesting too because I feel like on both sides they're sort of painted into like mm. a corner, right? Like I don't feel like like James has that many options. It's like literally go back to Houston and and have this like retirement check or mm-hmm. like you stay in this unhappy situation if you guys don't ultimately make it. Like, there's a ton of pressure on those guys. And, no, they don't really have a secondary perimeter creator either. Like, the hope would be Maxi kind of takes over. And and Maxi's numbers are still good, but, you know, like, he's sort of been... I don't know. It's just... There's there's not maybe the same, like, excitement over him as there was last year in the playoffs. Um, By the way, he he did cook the Raptors. My goodness, man. Oh, man. I I have nightmares about Tyrese Maxi. He did it again at the start of the season against Toronto as well. But, um... No, Philly's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are, are they like a true contender for you guys, though? Because I was watching their game against the, the the Celtics, and I was like, they were outplaying the Celtics for huge portions of that. Mm-hmm. And then Al Horford just makes like five threes in a row, and then, you know, the Celtics make a whole bunch of clutch plays, and all of a sudden they win that game. Um, but I was looking at it, and I was like, I, I didn't really think that the Celtics had a half-court defense for for what Joel Embiid was doing. And I think in the past they had a better chance of guarding Embiid, but if they can't really hold Embiid in a single like in 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 a half court setting, then all of a sudden the Sixers are a legitimate threat to pretty much every team, you know, because of that. Yeah, what do you think, Pina? I I I think Joel Embiid is amazing. Mm. Um, is probably going to finish second for the MVP, maybe first. We'll see what happens over these last twenty games or so. Uh, I don't. I don't really by the Sixers. They're such a prove-it-to-me team 
for a variety of reasons. Like I just, I look at their roster and there's so many pieces who I don't trust surviving for three or four playoff rounds. Like PJ Tucker's 37, Tobias Harris always shrinks in big moments. Tyrese Maxey, James Harden on defense against, like the Celtics just always beat them because it's just a matchup nightmare. Like Embiid, yeah, I don't think anyone can beat Embiid, but when you're doubling and you're tripling him in the playoffs and he's trying to shoot over those double teams, it's just like, okay, you can make a couple of those, but that's kind of what we want as a defense. And I, I have a lot of questions about Philly. So, um, it's going to take like, that's why I think Harden is just so interesting because it's going to take him being amazing for them to make this type of run. And there's just a lot of pressure on his shoulders to do so. I don't, I don't think he can, we'll see. Um, but I, I'm a little less high on the Sixers than I think most. Yeah. Do you, do you actually, cause the athletic put out a report this week and this was a follow-up to a report that came out on Christmas day about oh, yeah. interests. Why don't you put that out on Christmas? By the way? <laughs> when the Sixers were having such a peaceful season. Yeah. This guy's like, well. here's, a, here's a lump of coal. <laughs> that, that there's mutual interests in, in James Harden returning to, to Houston. Like, do you really think he would go back to Houston at this stage in his career? I just find it hard to believe. I, I think he will. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> like that's I, I just feel like he's to... in that he's in like that kind of like ring chasing kind of part of his career needs that championship to to fill out his resume. I just can't think of a lot of players who's been on this trajectory like this level of player who would like close out their career on a team like that. And then that that's not to say that Houston isn't going to get better. You know, you get Harden. You know, maybe make some moves here. They have a lot of draft picks. And they got to like make that. a lot of moves. They got to make a lot <laughs> of gotta moves. Lot they got to learn how man. to break the full court press. Um, oh, I mean, James can do that. Probably bring in a new coach. Um, all of this stuff. Like, it's not like he's gonna come in and suddenly they're gonna they're gonna be you know contenders within a, a year or two. Like, it would just be really surprising to me at this point of his career. But does Hart strike you as a ring chasing higher guy? But I mean, he got out of Houston to go to Brooklyn, right? To, to have but, that but super Houston team. Was, Houston was over. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when yeah, you make yeah, that yeah. kind of push and you don't make it through, you yeah. just got to go at some point. But, like, Brooklyn and Philly, clearly two destinations to try to win a championship. Yeah. Right? And I just can't think... I just can't think of another recent example of a player of his caliber where he's missing that championship. Like, I even think of guys like Melo and stuff, like, towards the end of his career, I think he was trying to get that championship on several teams, things like that. Like... No, yeah. But you need to sacrifice to win a championship, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, aware. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, like, James, I need to see yeah. a commitment to playing defense. Yeah. I need to see a commitment. I mean, the playmaking aspect is good, sure. but I also feel like the playmaking is in part because Embiid's way better offensively, and yeah. also he can't score as well either, so he's now going to his bigger strength, which is playmaking. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see, like, the... Just you know, him going the, back the, to Houston, I guess, would make sense to me from a James Harden. Yeah. That, that is James Harden. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me just from a kind of grander NBA perspective. Gotcha. I don't know. I can't see it. It's it's odd and perplexing, but that's like if you're going to pay, he loves Houston as a city for a lot of reasons. Mm. And if they're going to pay him nine figures, then he's going to take it. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I think it's very strange for Houston to do it. I've, you know, I've heard obviously that they want to be competitive next year. They want to like compete for the play in is kind of like the nice. the mandate down from ownership. <laughs> nice. I mean, if they yeah. can, I just imagine Tilbert Fertitta like <laughs> pounding his fist yeah. and it's like play in or bust, man. But, by the way, the funniest oh, Tilman Fertitta story that we should 
talk more about always is that when they had the bubble, um, oh, yeah. that every food vendor was a Tillman Fertitta company. <laughs> this man was pocketing and didn't one of the Houston Rockets like get in trouble for ordering from like outside of the uh, bubble? Bruno Caboclo. Yeah. He forgot about Bruno Caboclo <laughs> he was, ordering He was like, I don't want Fertitta's uh, <laughs> catering, man. <laughs> no, you can just imagine Bruno on his phone on, on DoorDash being like, oh, delivery address? Uh, just slightly outside like, of Disneyland, please. Like how much was Adam Silver trying to help the owners, man? Fertitta pocketing side money? <laughs> from like his food and catering was ridiculous. Oh, I, will, I will say, I guess the other thing that would change the equation for Houston is if they get Victor Wimbayama. Like if you yes. get Wimbayama and then you sign James Harden, then okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Then I or, can see or a even path. Scoot. I feel like, although then yeah. you have a weird thing where you have Scoot him and and um, Green, but yeah, I don't know. And good old I mean the Kevin guy, Porter the guy who oh, I've heard that the Rockets may be interested in more than Harden or if Harden stays in Eric Gordon is No, it's oh. your your boy, Fred Van Vliet. Really? Oh. Wait, hold on. That's breaking news. Hold what? on. Okay, yeah. We never heard this with Turn Fred. the TikTok camera yeah, yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. Let's, oh, yeah, uh, let's get go. this going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Go ahead. Michael Pena of the of the Ringer um has some news about Fred Van Vliet uh potentially this is, going to Houston. Uh yeah, all the aggregators, please get your pencils out, nice. get the notebooks out. Um, no, I, I, this is, you know, this is things you hear. Um, and in hearing how committed they are to kind of stabilizing the organization and um, winning next year, that's just a free agent that makes a lot of sense to throw a lot of money at. Way more so in terms of age and, um, I guess, reliability than someone like Harden who's 33 and has just a lot of miles on his body. Like I would much rather pay Fred Van Fleet if I was them to just be my franchise point guard and just smoothen things out a little bit because their culture is just terrible as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, before we let you go, just one more quick thing for you, Pina, you know, it's been a lot of chatter the last couple of weeks, I think coming out of all-star weekend too. And honestly, for the last couple of years, people have been trying to find like fixes and solutions for, for making like, the NBA regular season, more interesting. You know, we've had conversations about, you know, how to reduce load management so stars can be more available. We've heard, you know, Steve Kerr and other players, you know, coaches and players talk about potentially reducing the regular season schedule from 82 games. And there was a report last week that like the league is considering implementing like a target score, I guess like an Elam ending type for overtime games so it doesn't um, kind of go into those triple, quadruple overtime situations. Um, in your in your in your opinion, like, do you think there are things that needs to be solved when it comes to the NBA regular season right now? First of all, I want to say that the target score for overtime games is just like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Thank you. In mm. my life, Thank like mm. the double overtime game between the Kings and the Clippers was like the best game that I've watched all season. Why yep. would we want to get mm. rid of that? But that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But I think for me, reducing the regular season would be terrific and this is said selfishly as someone who is just <laughs> locked in front of their laptop every night watching league pass and there's like 12 games on every Sounds night like and it's yeah it's super great <laughs> my and, dream too yeah. <laughs> but it's just like i would I, I think that if you shorten the number then i understand that it'll never happen for financial reasons but you give more weight and currency to every single game that's played. That's just that I think that that would be a really nice byproduct. I don't know how many games you could slash off. I would slash off a ton personally um, and just stretch everything out and always have or increase the probability of having your best players available for every game. That would be terrific. Uh, I love watching stars play 
And I know Adam Silver said it's a very deep league, but it's just not the same when the best players don't play. It's just, that's just, come on. <laughs> it's like, what are we talking about here? So I, I would cut the games um, and cut the schedule personally. Mm. Okay. I would, mean, you, would you cut from the 82? No, I mean, I get it. Like for us journalists, like it is less work, you know, like can we just put our boxes on the table? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, mean, I don't, do don't want to say anything. Um, no, but I, I think for me, it's like, you know, this point that was brought up was, um, what was actually from the program at Devlin. Uh, he's like, look, we've cut into a lot of preseason um, mm-hmm. and training camp. We've shortened that time. Now we've used that extra bit of time to put more spacing in the schedule for the regular season. So there's less back to backs. Mm. Um, and so like, it's less on the load on that front, but I do think that that, that extended training camp or like just what tra- training camp used to be, mm-hmm. it does give more time for players to sort of get ready for the season in terms of preparing their bodies, like getting them completely fit and ready and, and you know, for the, the grind ahead. Mm. And I do wonder if like, if we shorten the regular season to something like 62 games or something like that, like, can we then get back to, actually my preferred is 58. You've played each mm. um, opponent twice. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, can you can you get back to having a longer training camp and even a, a preseason just to get them ready to ramp up for the start of the season? Because yeah. I do think that that was a very valuable time. Now, of course, I think player training has changed over the years. Sure. It's no longer like Shaq saying, I'm going to get fit during the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, different. surgery on company time. It's, it's now let's, let's all go to the Rico Hines run and, and play for, for two <laughs> months straight. Yeah, um, yeah. But, no, I do think that, yeah, training camp is pretty important. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, Obviously, this conversation can go in so many directions because when you're talking about like how to make regular season games more meaningful, it's harder now in this era too, just because honestly, the player movement too, like, you know, like there's just not that type of like rivalry that you'll tune into when it comes to two teams. Like, yeah, yeah I just remember, true. you know, like long ago, whatever, in the 90s, you can just pick out any of the rivalries. Like the, when the Knicks play the Heat, like it didn't matter if like Alonzo Mourning was injured or whatever. Like, you know, guys, this was still an important game. And now it's like, you look at the player movement this year, like a month ago, KD and Kyrie were on the nets and now they're on two Western conference teams. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's hard to kind of build interest in that way too. But I kind of agree with you guys though. Reducing the games would be, I think would be the solution. The thing about the old days. <laughs> the old days. <laughs> yeah. Again, um, man. <laughs> all right. We, we've taken up uh, of, of Michael's time. Yeah. So Michael Pina of the ringer. Yeah. appreciate Make you. Make sure you check out all his work. Honestly, it's uh, yeah. it's wonderful. That's right. Appreciate you Pina. Guys, this was a blast. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Um, okay, we're going to take that break, and then uh, we'll come back. But uh, in the meantime, I've been your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsline Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Got to check in with you a little bit because, you know, 
Uh, oh, by the way, only a four-day uh, week for us on the show tomorrow, the trade deadline. So we're off, right? Us? Yeah, we're off tomorrow. Uh, shouts to the National Hockey League. They've yeah. got the trade deadline tomorrow. Yeah. So make sure you tune in to all Sportsnet channels and right. obviously listen to Sportsnet 590, the fan, for all your trade deadline coverage. No, I can't wait to see what else the Leafs do. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, I got to ask, because you weren't here Tuesday. You know, we had, we had, we had Blake in here. Mm. We had Big V in here Wednesday. So yeah, what, sure. what have you been up to, Alex? Uh, you know, just been chilling, um, you know, taking care of my uh, personal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, ran into some uh, devoted Raptor show listeners mm, um, at, at Zito's. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so just want to make it up there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they're huge fans of the show. So just want to, you know, give a shout out to some fans here to, to you know, the owner. Uh, Big Z, aka Angelo. Wait, um, is his name is his name Zito? Uh, Super Dave. Um, you know who's who's who is a friend of the store. There, recognized okay. me right away. It was like, oh, that's Alex from the Raptor Show. Nice, nice. Um, you know Olga, uh, you know at the hot table, right. um, and Irina, um, just who made me a, a great sandwich. Wow, it was, it was so good. I had to get one to see, go. This is a difference between you and me. You're yeah. a really good people person. You remember um, everybody's name yeah, and everything uh, like that. Uh, wow. Andrea, you know Mattia, you know. So shouts to everybody there. Yeah, they they they, they have the Raptor Show on. Um, every day. Wow. There, yeah. No, never that's, see that's, the other. Never see the other sports network there. Just, it doesn't even exist, man. Just, I just mean, the Raptor show. They, well, they don't have a Raptor show. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you're the one who started this, and I'm just anyway. Um, what's interesting to me also, Talking speaking of restaurants, noodles? is um, speaking of noodles. Oh, okay, go on, yeah. Well, that's a good. Oh, Should have gone with that transition. That's good. That's good. Um. Yeah, so the Raptors were reminded of Ramanishan into their facility. Yeah, shout out to a, a shout out to a friend of the program, Erica, who made us aware of this. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, shout out to Erica. Yeah, Raman. So Raman Ishan posted something on Instagram where they set up. Yeah. In the back of the uh, Raptors practice facility. Yeah. Yeah, and they were offering two options, uh, for for Raman. No, I mean, I I think we a, talked a year to Fred. too late. <laughs> so we talked to Fred last year. Remember, we talked yeah. to Fred. And we we had <laughs> joked about the Utah thing, right? And yeah. how we were going to invite him to ramen. And mm. I famously slipped him a piece of paper just like this yes. with my name and my phone number. Yes. And I just said, Will, actually, I said, Will Ramen. And my actual, <laughs> my actual phone number, my personal one, not my work phone, my personal phone number. I gave the Yeah, you doxed yourself to Fred. To Fred. Yeah. And I asked Fred, like, have you had ramen with Utah? And he's like, I never had ramen before. So right. maybe he did yesterday. No, we have to find out. Yeah. We have to find out. I, I did try to message Josh uh, from Raptors PR to, to get more details, but uh, I think he wants more details from us. <laughs> yeah, so, so I ran, I, I ran into him soon. I ran into a brick wall there. wasn't able to bring any Amen. scoops. Um, so so that was a tough one. Yeah. Um, you also have a note here: uh, Raptors season seats. Yeah, price so, of the brick going up. Friend of the program, Shankar Sivanathan. Um, shouts to him. Shouts to the Shank. Um, no, man, just a oh, genuinely, yes, just, yeah, no, just, great, just a great genuinely dude, good person. Great energy. Working in an ICU, doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, Real job. He's been on the he's been on the program before as well. I mean, yes, in, in previous iterations as well. Yep. But just a great dude. But uh, he 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 shared the fact that so he's a season ticket holder, mm. and he sh- he shared that the Raptor season seats invoices for the next year, ten to twenty percent increases depending on location. Would expect the same increase in single game tickets as well. Ten to twenty percent after this season with the Toronto Raptors. After the fact that the Raptors are probably most likely going to bring back the same team, and they're going to go up ten to twenty percent. Well, better bring back, better be in the luxury tax then, if you want the fans to pay for the Man. luxury tax. No, I, I don't even care about the luxury tax. I'm just saying, like the product's got to. 
I know man, it's tough. I they, feel like again, they're acting like they're an inelastic product, man. <laughs> I feel like for a lot of these teams, like mm. I, I guess they're still recovering ten to twenty from those empty arena days. Well, from... I remember I brought up the point on the pod that it was like mm-hmm. the Raptors got hit by the pandemic way harder than any yeah. other franchise. No, you you have been the first on this. Yeah, you know you're the business reporter yeah. here. Well, I mean, I, I also and... did talk to that scalper that one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I... I saw him. We, we went eye to eye. And then I ran up to him, and he, and he saw my police badge. And he's like, uh, "No, I don't." He's I like, don't do "I don't. Anything. I don't speak no English." I just like standing here. At Union Station. No, but listen, prices are still going. I'm sure you know. Obviously, fans are, for not ha- are not happy. But the other thing too is like, I think there's enough demand that people will pay for that though. Yeah, but Raptors I mean, are. I also, I also, I don't know, man. I just feel like, look, obviously, there's always demand. Yeah, like genuinely, we're joking aside, like it is an inelastic product. But yes. like, like at the same time, like the, it, I don't think people complain about ticket prices going up when the Raptors' record was going up. No, that's fair. You know what I mean? That's fair. No, and they haven't really come down since then. Where they won the championship, and they're going up again, yeah. even though they're going the opposite direction. No, I hear you. We're we're running out of time here, but we should have we should have a longer conversation about this another time. I, I think it's actually interesting. And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors open a two game series in Washington. Must win tonight. Must win two game series. The, the Washington before the play in Wizards. The Raptors are two point favorites on the injury report. Um, for anybody wondering, Otto Porter Jr. remains out. Um, and that's about it. Okay. So Raptors fully healthy, except for Otto Porter's toe mm. against the Wizards here. Like you mentioned, it's a huge game. Basically a pick them. They're two point favorites. Yeah. Who do you like? Um, okay. Look, so the Raptors have matched up pretty well with Washington over the years. Mm. Um, you know, I thought last year they played Washington really well as well. I think OG, um, has learned how to guard Beal, and he'll most likely be on that assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's the biggest threat. Uh, Porzingis, being a three-point shooter who shoots it from well over 30 feet sure. regularly, um, is going to be a, a very tricky one because of the fact that the Raptors will probably have Jakoproto out there, and that's going to make him mm-hmm. quite uncomfortable to be out that far. He's a mobile big, but he's not used to playing that far out the three-point line. It's the same for most bigs against Porzingis. I actually think this might be another matchup where, similar to against Chicago, the Raptors close smaller. Okay. So that you can make some of those longer closeouts with their faster players. Yeah. Um, and Porzingis, even though he can't hurt you in the post, I'm I'm pretty confident if he wants to post up Scotty Barnes. You know right. what I mean? Um, Kyle Kuzma is also a threat, but at the same time, you know, the Raptors actually have lots of length to go against him. Um, and he's definitely a very willing shooter. And I think the one thing that you have to watch for with Washington too is that they will extend the rotation and guys will come in and they will have fresh bodies. The thing is the Raptors mm-hmm. now have some depth as well. So I, I like the Raptors. I, I'm pretty confident in picking the Raptors. I'm going to go two. with the Raptors as well. Wasn't familiar that you knew so much about the Wizards. Oh, you know, but I make sure to watch uh, opposing teams at least once before res- we do respects this. Respects to you, just you know, you yeah, better, you better, right? You better pray Bradley Beal doesn't win a championship in Washington. Oh man, the East, you the better. East Coast, the Damian Lillard. <laughs> you, you, you better pray. Same Lillard uh, with no bars. <laughs> that's it for us. Uh, Shouts to Andrew Adams too for helping us yeah, out. And again, we'll be back on Monday. And for folks listening to the podcast, obviously, Will's got you on the React Pod. Mm. Two React Pods against the Wizards today and Saturday. But no show Friday. So, But that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks again to Michael Pena, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Brandejo, and uh, Jennifer Rowland for helping with the YouTube stream. We'll talk to you next week, I guess.